Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Come to the Table, Part 1, Provision, recorded Sunday, May 8, 2022. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. Well, we've already witnessed many different types of miracles in the book of Mark. And all of them to this point have been for the purpose of deliverance. So very difficult things that people had in their lives, Jesus stepped in and he delivered them from sickness, from spiritual sickness, from even demonology, things like that. Today's miracle is the first one about provision, provision. It's one of only two miracles that are spoken of in all four of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And uh, the other one is the resurrection. So that's how important it is to our understanding. One of the things that we remember and honor mothers for is they usually are great providers or they do their very best with what they have to do with. And so, uh, like Calvin Trillin said this about his mother, the most remarkable thing about my mother is that for 30 years, she served the family nothing but leftovers and the original meal has never been found. <laughs> Buddy Hackett, an old comedian, said, my mother's, consi- my mother's menu consisted of two choices, take it or leave it. <laughs> Nora Ephron says, what my mother believed about cooking is that if you work hard and prosper, someone else will do it for you. <laughs> Some of you are in that camp, aren't you? You like that. Rodney Dangerfield, kind of an old classic guy, says, my mother never breastfed me. She told me she only liked me as a friend. (laughs) Well, I thought that was funny. It had something to do with eating. I don't know. I thought I'd just throw it in there. There are some very famous meals that have changed the course of humanity. And as we roar through the book of Mark and studying this book, we're going to see that a prominent part of that is is food. It comes up. This whole section, food is like the focus. And things happen because there's food. Most of us like food. All of us need it. And so regardless of whatever your politics are, whatever your cultural values, your demographics, your personal beliefs, your need for food is something you share with me and everybody else here. And so when we come together, I think there's something that can happen. Food ultimately boils down, no pun intended, to provision, provision. And, and, and to be honest, when we follow God, even if we never say it, we expect him to provide for us. Like we just have this expectation. He even said we can have it. He said, give us this day, pray like this, give us this day our daily bread. So he understands that. And, and Jesus provides in many different ways. We're going to look at one of those ways today. It's Mark chapter 6, so if you have your journal, if you're using your hardcover Bible, or if you have a phone, or even if you just want to watch on the screen. Let's read through, Gen- excuse me, through uh, Mark chapter 6, beginning with verse 31. And he said to his disciples, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest for a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they were very busy, they were exhausted, they, they couldn't eat because they were crushed by all the people around. So they departed to a deserted place in a boat by themselves. 
But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran there on foot from all the cities. So these are fast people. They are on a boat going across the lake. These people ran around the lake, and they, they beat him there, many of them. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them which is the heart of God for you. I want you to know that today. Compassion. Because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. Verse 35. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and already the hour is late. Here was their solution. Send them away that they may go to the surrounding country and villages, and buy themselves bread, for there's nothing, nothing to eat. But he answered them and said to them, this is his solution, you give them something to eat. And then I'm sure they panicked and said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? Like that's a whole year's wages, that's what it would have cost. But he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five, five loaves, and bonus, two fish. Then he commanded them to make, to t- make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks and hundreds and fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven. He blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. That's kind of important, I think, here. And the he, and the two fish, he divided among them all. So he blessed it, he gave thanks, he broke the loaves, and, and so they ate all of them, these thousands of people, and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full, that's probably significant, because there's 12 disciples, of the fragments and of the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men, so we estimate there were probably somewhere between eight and 15,000 people in on this special meal. Now, this miracle has a lot of meaning, but I think especially it shows us how God's provision for our lives work. Now, here's the first thing. We see in this, we see pursue the source, not the stuff. Because in this miracle, it's Jesus. It's not the the stuff that he's using, it's about God. Remember these 12 disciples have left everything to follow him. And he's showing them, you pursue me, me, I will make sure you have what you need. Because God is a provider by nature. And that's one of the things I think he wants us to know. He is going to provide for you if you will put him first. As a matter of fact, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6, 31. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, but your heavenly Father knows you need them. So that word pagan, that kind of bothers me. It's kind of demeaning, I think. He says, here's how the pagans think. The pagans think, I don't need God to take care of me. I'll take care of what I need, or I'll let someone else take care of me. But he says, if you seek him first, not in second place, that God will care for you. In other words, a pagan is a person who puts God in the second place or the third place or down the the road from that even, down the the list on that. 
But Jesus makes this promise. He goes on to say in verse 33, you seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things, these things pagans chase after, you're going to get them as you need them. So seek first. Anytime I seek God second in anything, in my money, in my relationships, my job, anytime he's not first, that's the wrong positional place for God in my life. And that makes me a pagan. What does it mean to seek first? What does that mean? In the kingdom of God, what does it mean to seek him first? I was talking to one of my buddies who is also a minister. He's with a church in Omaha, in Calvary, Bellevue, actually. And um, we were talking about this message. He asked me what I was preaching on this week. And I told him, and we started talking about provision for churches. And he made some really good points to me, things that I really hadn't thought about for a while. And he was talking about how in their congregation, he asked me how many people at Third City use our online giving options or especially our automatic withdrawal options for giving. And I said, they're about 70%, 73, I thought. He said, really, we're about 90%, he said. And, And then he made these points that I thought, wow, good reminder to me. People schedule the most important things of their lives with payments. Like, you got a house payment? You don't want to miss that. It's scheduled. You, uh, you have a car payment, maybe a couple, whatever. Uh, your kids' expenses, your dental costs that you pay over. It's important. You got to schedule those. And so people are the same way when they put God first. They say, I'm going to schedule this. And so we pursue the source not the stuff. Here's a second thing that Jesus shows us here. Offer what you have. So they find this little kid, five biscuits, couple of dried up fish. It's all they can find. Jesus told them to find enough food for what? 12,000 people, something like that. John 6 says that they found five loaves, two fish, just a sack lunch, By the way, by the miracle of DNA matching, combined with the miracle of modern technology, we have been able to actually identify and create what's considered the true image of the kid who shared his lunch. Look at this. Yeah. Revenge is sweet. Yeah. That might be a little of an inside joke. You may have to ask somebody afterwards about that. His name's Dan Walter, if you need a name. Where am I? I've lost my place because that was so important to do. So they offered what they had, and and when you seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, you just say, God, here's what I've got. You do what you can do. I'll give you what I have, you do the rest. And that's an important thing to understand, because I know if you're like me and have been like me, especially at other times in my life, I don't have much. Like I'd say, I really have nothing to give, to offer. And then when I think about it, I say, well, I do have this, God. So here it is. Here it is. Luke chapter 16, Jesus makes an important comment. He says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little is also dishonest with much. So, if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will you trust with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, 
Who will give you property of your own? These disciples, what did they bring to Jesus? One thing they brought, the potential for great embarrassment. That's like, I'm like, I'm these guys, and they go out and do a little search for food. They come back with some little kid snack lunch, right? Here it is. Like, that's embarrassing to me. Like, why did they do it? They did it because Jesus told them to. That's why. And I think sometimes we, we think, I'm so embarrassed, God, to even offer you this. Like, just my time, because I don't have any money, but I'll, I'll give you my time, but I'm embarrassed. Or just my money, not my time. Or, you know, whatever it is that you're thinking, this isn't, this is embarrassing, God. And he says, just bring it. You know, I've heard people say, everything I have is God's. But how does that work out practically? How does that work out? Here's the third thing that happens. They share it. Because if you've been given something by God, whatever that something is, you're supposed to share it. Not just money, everything about your life. I mean, if you're like a great mom, I mean, I know that that's a lot of work for you to be a great mom with the kids that God's put in your life, but maybe he wants you to be a great mom beyond those kids, like the neighborhood mom, for instance. So step into that. Whatever it is, you know, you're a dad who loves to coach your kids. Well, that means you get to coach other kids in, in, in the, on the team. And you can be more of a father to them than a coach. Because probably, there's probably kids on your team that needs that. You know what I'm saying? What do you got to share? I mean, one of the things that we see in Jesus' teaching throughout his teaching is he'll take care of us if we'll trust him, if we'll do our part. But the key is you got to do your part. After decades of ministry, I've had numerous conversations with people who have said to me in one way or another, God isn't delivering for me. He's not taking care of my needs. I'm, I need a job, and I don't have a job. I want to meet someone. I've not met someone who I can share my life with. We want to have kids. We're not having kids. God, you need to deliver. But oftentimes what we see also is that we're not delivering. We're not holding up our end. Of the, of the bargain. Because as a Christian, I have found no evidence whatsoever where I can say that God met person's needs perfectly, but they weren't keeping their end of the bargain. You know what I'm saying? I got to be responsible. I need to share. I need to share what I have, whatever it is. And then look at what happens with the snackable that this little boy offers up. Jesus, uh, the th- fourth thing is this, he gives thanks for it. Even if it's not enough, he gave thanks for it. He took the biscuits, he took the fish, he broke it. There's 1,200 people. It's not enough, but he thanked God for it. Now, I gotta be honest with you. This is just some, you know, some self-depreciating uh, stuff about me, and I hope you'll understand. But I oftentimes, I'm, I catch myself thanking God for what I have more than enough for. You know what I mean? Like I even caught myself praying yesterday. We, Jackie and I pray about virtually every meal and I listen to my prayer and I'm thanking God for the excess, like the blessing of my wife and my kids and the blessing of our provisions. And I'm like, would I be this thankful if we had nothing or if we lost something so important that we couldn't even breathe because it's usually a person. You lose a person and you can't even breathe because they're gone. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So my question becomes, if I can't give thanks when there's less than enough, 
how can I possibly give thanks when there's more than enough? So pursue the source, not the stuff. Offer what you have. Share it. Give thanks. And then let God break it. Let Jesus break it and use it. This is his pattern. He is a God of provision, but it's almost always in broken things that he provides, not in excess things, in ways you'll never expect. And, and by the way, that is when obedience meets faith. My obedience, my faith come together, and he does stuff. And, and I, here's what I know what happens. So it always happens whenever anyone steps out in a faithful way, like they do something beyond what they even think they can imagine. Like, for instance, you agree to do something like rooted for the summer. And it's a big step for you because you've never done something like that or you know you're very busy. So you sign up for rooted, then sure enough, the kid's ball schedule comes out for the summer and you're like, I'm wrecked. I don't have time for rooted. Look at this schedule. And that's going to be where obedience has to meet faith. See what I'm saying? Or maybe some of you, like you stepped out a couple weeks ago to sponsor a child. I have Diana, your, your child's name, and Carol Bongi for the $38 a month. That's a lot of money. $38 a month. I mean, that's a commitment, right? So you step out in faith, and sure enough, that week, car broke down. Thanks, God. Kids need braces. Thanks, God. That's where obedience meets faith. And that's where the miracles start to happen. I'm just telling you. See, you got to see this miracle that way. Maybe God is setting you up for a miracle. Jesus had to break the bread and the fish before he could multiply it. But what has to happen is faith and obedience come together. Try to see this miracle from this lens. The idea of something being broken to be useful. Remember what would happen in about a year from that point when Jesus would go to a cross and the scripture in very specific ways talks about his body being broken for us, his blood being spilled on the ground for you so that something could miraculously happen for you. So a miracle could happen, a provision for your soul. See that? So here's another thing. Do what God tells you. I mean, let him break it, let him use it, but do it his way. The disciples did it his way because provision is always found in the path of obedience. Provision comes from living to the glory of God even when what he asks us to do makes absolutely no sense. Like, why did he have them set in groups of hundreds and fifties? I, I still haven't made sense of that. I don't know what that's all about. Maybe he was just organized. I don't know. He gives them these scraps. He, he doesn't just hand them out himself. He doesn't go to the first guy, the kid, with the, the kid with the lunch, and say, hey, kid, here's your lunch back. No, he gives it to the 12 because he wants to show them that it's about provision. And by the way, he gave not just what was needed. Remember how many baskets were left over? How many? 12, that's right. Do you think that's a coincidence? 12 disciples, 12 baskets? Absolutely not. Proverbs chapter 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, in all your ways, submit to him. And he will make your path straight. I mean, you got a brain, okay? And your brain in life, I know this happens, happens to me daily. I, my brain's saying, go right. 
go right, go right. And usually right is what I feel or what I want. It's what I want things to be like. Go right. But there's this voice that says, no, go left. And the voice either comes directly from God's word or from his Holy Spirit that's indwelling in my life, and it doesn't make sense to me to go that way. It makes no, absolutely no sense for me to do that. The only thing I have to go on is he says to do it. It's an all-encompassing life principle. It applies to your moral decisions. It applies to who you vote for on Tuesday. It applies to your use of material wealth. It applies to your relationships. It applies to your career choices. It applies to your sexual decisions. God says, obey, go left, and I have to choose. Hard right, hard left. And here's what it says. It says, save what's left. Save what's left. The miracle was done more for the disciples because they needed to learn how to trust him. They needed to know he would always provide. They needed to know that the crowd, they come and go. This is for you guys. In John's story, Jesus tells them, let nothing be wasted. Why is that? Is it to show his extravagance? Is it because they're going to need lunch in the next day or two and they'd have some left over? Is it, you know, is it, I don't know why. I just know this. He wanted them to go through the process of picking up all that stuff. And I think it was kind of a hard lesson for them to, to learn because that's a lot of work to walk through a crowd of 12,000 people and pick up all the scraps. But he wanted to show them that there's always going to be something for you if you trust me. You know, I've thought about this this week this way. God has blessed many areas of my life. He's blessed my work here at Third City Christian Church. Been, this is my life's work. I'm just going to tell you right off. This is it. And I've been blessed more than any blessing I've ever given anyone. I would say I'm very blessed with my family, with my kids, with my grandkids, with my friends. Over the top blessed. But I don't always live that way. I don't always, you know, wake up in the morning and say, oh, I'm so blessed. I'm just the most blessed guy in the world. No, I don't. I'm just going to be honest with you. Sometimes I'm like, man, I, we have a growing church. We got this. We got that. We got I'm a great family. Everyone's healthy. Great. Sometimes it's like, ah, I want more. Give me a little bit, a little bit more. Now, yesterday, I spent the day Jackie and I went to Omaha we wanted to go through my dad's home because he passed and, and we needed to take that step together. And so we, we cleaned out his house. My siblings, Jackie, some other family members, we spent a half day throwing 50 years of a man's possessions into a dumpster. Do you know what I brought home from that experience other than the gratitude of having a dad and, and siblings and Jackie being there with me? an American flag. That's, that's it. The blessings we need to count are not those kinds of blessings, possessions, stuff, because Jesus says it's all going to turn to dust. The blessings come from our provision found in the hands of a generous God who gives us confidence, not in the success that we've had, but rather in what he wants to do in our lives every day, day after day. What leftovers do you need to pick up? 
Look back and see how God is providing for you and remember that he will again. It's a hard-hearted lesson for these disciples. It says it later in this passage. Because there's another point where they say to God again, how are you going to get us out of this mess? In this case, it's, they're in a storm and he's walking on the water. It's a great story. And then I think what he wants to show them is to remind them is, hey, remember the baskets? And it says they got hard-hearted about the baskets. They forgot. If you're pursuing God's ways, if you're offering what you have to him, if you're sharing what you have, if you're thanking God for whatever you have, whether it's a lot or a little or nothing, and if you're letting him take that and break it and use it, however small you think it is, that's the miracle. The miracle is you cooperating with God like that. I will ask you, who outside of Jesus, who's always the hero of these stories, who in this story is the other hero? Who do you think? I think it's the little boy, the kid with the sack lunch. But here's the thing. Mark doesn't mention him. The only gospel writer that even mentioned him, and it doesn't give his name, is John. John gives a little boy credit, a boy with no name. God knows his name. I promise you God knows his name because he took whatever he had and he gave it. And he didn't get the credit. Sometimes I wonder how many of us will roll in that world. We're all do the thing, but I want the credit too. I want to be made famous. I want others to know that I am a blessing. When in fact, any time that we give in the right way, whatever we're giving, it should always be that he gets the credit. You know, honestly, like I think one of the most famous dinner parties in all of history is the Last Supper. It's probably number one for me. I think it's the most important dinner party in history. I think the Last Supper is also what we do here on Sunday. That makes it the most important dinner party of our week. In Mark 14, it says, on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, while they were eating, Jesus took bread. What did he do? He broke it. And he gave thanks and gave it to his disciples. And he said, take this, eat this. This is my body broken for you. Drink this cup. It's a cup of promise, the new covenant in my blood. I'm going to pour my blood out for all of you. That's what he said to us. See, this is a very holy moment for all of us because he invites us to his table and he breaks the bread of life with us. And we get to celebrate that. Thank you, Jesus. Let's commune. You know, uh, I mean, who, who in the room couldn't use some form of a miracle today? I mean, even just, you know, throw me a loaf, you know, throw me a fish, Jesus, you know, anything. Like, you got something going on in your life. We're just talking to one of our online hosts in between, and, and she was telling me how, how Chuck, uh, said on 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 uh, on the on the forum that she's on how you know he's he's trying to find the blessing in his circumstances because he's become a primary caregiver for his spouse and and I know these people you know I know who we're talking about they're this is an elderly couple it's a hard thing and he said I just want to find I want to find the hope and the joy in that circumstance. And I'm like, man, you know. 
I mean, who here, you know, you got unemployment going on or your marriage might be struggling in some way and you just don't have a solution. You, you want to give it to God and yet you're afraid to, you know. Maybe it's a kid that's just going kind of crazy in your life right now. You know, just something and just provide, give me a fish, throw me a bone, you know. I mean, and things happen. But, but I still contest and I will say this, I hope until the day I die, that if you'll give it to Jesus, he'll provide for you. If you'll turn it over to him and say, I've tried my way, I'm gonna do it yours. I mean, because this happened with these people, this 12,000 people that Jesus fed that day, whatever it was. So they loved it. That, you know, they got the little miracle. That's the little miracle. It's a big miracle, but it's a little miracle for them. I got, to, I got lunch today. But you know what they started to do every time they gathered? Hey, Jesus, give us some more food. Feed us again. Feed us again. Give us another little miracle. And then he challenged them with this, and it changed everything. He said, okay, you want a little bit of me? I'll tell you what. You eat my flesh. You drink my blood. Because if you don't, you'll have no part of me. You know what most of them did? 99.9% of them? They ran for the hills. That's weird talk. I mean, that's weird. I don't want that. They bailed because what they wanted from him was another happy meal. But what he came to give us is the whole enchilada. Life. 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 And I will say to you this. Again, I don't know what you're going through, but if you're here for a little bit of Jesus, the offer you today from him is take all of me or none and watch what happens. Watch what happens. Don't leave here today without the biggest miracle being, being, being experienced, and that's the miracle of your life coming to life. We're here for that purpose. We have a place called The Hub at both exits. Just stop in and say, need to know more about how I can give my life to Jesus. And I promise you we'll follow up. We'll have a great conversation. And together, we'll find out what it means to really be provided for by God. Hope you have a great Mother's Day. We're going to finish out with a song. And uh, you can uh, join us for the entire song. But if you need to leave for whatever reason, you got that really important Mama's Day d dinner that you're cooking up, we understand. Let's stand together and Taylor will lead us out. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.